Kia ora, you're listening to Speak Out Radio on 106.1 FM. I'm your host for today, Compass, and I use they-them pronouns. Kia ora, my name's Maggie, and I use they-them pronouns. Kia ora, I'm Jay, and I use they-them or he-him pronouns. Yay. Okay. <laughs> this is our second time recording this, <laughs> because I forgot to turn on Jake's mic, which is very on brand for what we're talking about today, which is ADHD. <laughs> 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 But, like, on the plus side, we've sort of talked about our first couple points, so now we're just going to be super onto it. So, let's just start. (laughs) So, um, we're going to quickly just, like, classify what ADHD is, like a really basic classification. Um, Maggie and I did an episode last year about ADHD where we sort of went a little bit more in depth into what ADHD actually is. Um, And I'll be sure to link that um, so that you can go and listen to it if you want to. Yeah, there's no pressure. If you don't want to listen to it, it's fine. You do you. <laughs> yeah, so I guess let's start. What is ADHD? Take it away, Maggie. Okay, so pretty much what I've been told is um, there are parts in our brain that are less developed to um, compared to people that don't have ADHD, so those parts are... Uh, the prefrontal cortex, which is associated with executive functioning, and another place in the brain, um, which is the uh, the hippocampus, which is uh, used for forming uh, new memories. Um, and we also have uh, kind of difficulties in terms of levels of dopamine um, in our brain, but um, we are not clinical psychologists or neuroscientists, so... Um, if you're wanting to find out more about that, just have a look online. Yeah, um, the executive function stuff is around, like, organising your life, um, like, you know, remembering things, uh, making decisions, that sort of stuff. Um, and also something that I think is really interesting is that um, there's, like, recent studies being done on um, the genetics of it and, like, mm. how it's hereditary. And I think one paper I read said that it's 74% heritable, which makes so much sense. Um yeah, I feel like it's really common for people to not, you know, to have, like, siblings who also have ADHD or, like, a parent or both parents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, but, like, once I got diagnosed, I was sort of looking at my family. I was like, oh, my uncle definitely <laughs> has ADHD. My older brother definitely has ADHD. It was my mum. Honestly, she doesn't think so, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're at least inattentive. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's pretty common for... Um, parents who are supporting their children when they're getting diagnosed to um, kind of come to that conclusion themselves and then they'll go through the diagnostic uh, process and be diagnosed as well because um, when their child's getting diagnosed they learn about all the different uh, Mm. symptoms uh, and realize you know a lot of it crosses over with what they're like so Mm. yeah yeah and we're we've already talked about but we're going to re-talk about some of the stuff that is less talked about about ADHD so uh, memory and impulsivity Um, and I think it's important as well that we quickly just mentioned that there are three different types of ADHD so there is um, the inattentive form or mostly inattentive form mostly hyperactive form and then there's the combined form Um, and with hyperactivity comes impulsivity which is basically my life so (laughs) I am the most impulsive person I know so um I guess a good place to start is with memory um so 
a lot of the time people with ADHD, it's not about long-term memory, it's more about working memory. So um, do you want to share your experience, Maggie? So for me, uh, the biggest thing that I struggle with is communication and the impact of working memory on communication. So um, I understand kind of like in my mind what I'm trying to say, but actually getting the words out can be quite difficult because I'm um, often having to internalize the structure of the words as I'm saying it, having to remember the words that I'm trying to say, um, trying to remember concepts and ideas. And so the way that it presents itself is I'll take a lot of, uh, depending on the day, um, it'll take me a lot of time to articulate things and be able to explain what I'm thinking to people um, because I'm having to constantly reflect back into my mind what I'm actually trying to think about Mm. or trying to remember. Yeah. Um, For me with the the short-term memory, it ends up being, um, like, yeah, mostly just my day-to-day stuff Um, and really important day-to-day things. Like, I have, um, as one of my my coping strategies, um, I have, like, a set place in my apartment where every time I come home, I always put my wallet and my keys there. And if they're not there, then they vanish off the face of the earth and I will have absolutely no idea where they could be. Um, I've literally, like, once I went to get coffee with a friend and I put my wallet in, like, the side pocket of my bag that I never, ever put my wallet in because I was too lazy to put it in the regular place. And then when I got home and, like, had to go out later that same day, I literally turned my whole flat upside down looking for it because I was so panicked about losing Mm. my wallet and I thought I must have left it at the place. Mm. Only for my partner to be like, check your bag again. Like, check it again all the pockets this time and then after a half hour of frantic searching i found it yeah (laughs) i I see i do the the same thing but um i use my bag to put all my stuff in because Mm. i don't go anywhere without my bag and i've done the same thing where i've like put my wallet or i put like my keys in the pocket of my jacket instead of back in my bag and i've just been like (gasps) And like one time I lost my wallet for a solid week before I even thought about going like and looking in the jacket I was wearing and it was just there and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've had that in terms of, um, say, for example, I am wanting to charge my phone. So I've got my phone, but I can't find my charger. And so I'm like, where the hell is my charger? And I ransack my room trying to find my charger and when I find my charger I can't find my phone (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like I ransack my room for my phone and it's oh yeah so that's pretty common also the amount of times I've been like where are my glasses and they're on my face (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) people with glasses will understand (laughs) yeah um also I do this a lot with like um cups of tea or coffee of like I will make a cup of tea like five times even though I haven't finished the one that I've already made just because I can't remember where I put it yeah like and sometimes I'll just like have to go through like my house or my room and just be like okay I'm gonna take out this two-week-old cup of coffee and it's nasty but yeah um one thing that's happened quite frequently uh well pre-med for me was um 
I would be ma- making a lemon honey ginger tea, and so I'd put the lemon into the tea, oh, I know. This is and going. then I'd go off to my room for s- some reason, and then I'd forget that I had put lemon into my tea, <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, cool, I'm just going to have a normal tea, and so I put milk into my tea, and no. I'm like, oh, oh, it's curdled, oh, okay. Yuck. Yep. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you started that and I was like, oh, like, oh I know I where this know is going. <laughs> yeah, I literally, it's so stupid and the bane of my existence sometimes because like the worst one that was like recent and as in, in the last few months was like, I had to go get my um, passport photocopied at university. And so I like, well, because I don't have a photocopier anywhere else. So I went all the way up to uni to photocopy my passport. And then I was like so focused on getting it sent and I left my passport in the photocopier. <gasps> no. And... <laughs> And I went home, and then I was like, better take my passport out of my bag to put it in the place where it usually lives so that I don't lose it. And then I was like, wait, where the fuck is my passport? <laughs> um, sorry for cussing. And then just like, <sighs> I spent so long again t- turning my house upside down. I'd gotten like that day a, a like Facebook message request from someone I didn't know. So I was like, I'm just going to ignore that because it's not going to be anything about anything to do with my life. And then it was, of course, the person who like found my passport messaging me being like, I live at this place. You can come pick it up. And I was like, and their address is, and their address, it was right up by uni. So it was fine. Yeah. But it was still like, wow, I'm so stupid. Like I literally, the, between me putting my passport in the machine and then leaving was literally like a minute. And I yeah. just like, forgot oh so on brand so on brand yeah I just have like so many stories of that sort of thing of like I use google calendars as like basically as a substitute for (laughs) my brain Mm. so like if it's not in google calendars I will forget and I will not show up so it's sort of like it's I cannot express to you how terrifying it is when I'm like, there's nothing on today, but I'm so sure Such there is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just have like a, a paper diary because like I, when I get like the, you know, the brand of tired where you're like, I can't think about any of my responsibilities ever um, in my whole life, which I get very frequently. Mm. Um, I just don't, I won't like check my emails and I won't, um, like check anything electronic that entails some sort of responsibility to do with my life. But like my physical diary is like, if someone's like, oh yeah, we're going to do this thing is where I immediately write it down. But where I run into problems is when sometimes someone's like, let's book an appointment for this thing. And I'm like, sweet. And then I don't write it down. And if it's no, not there, yeah. then it's like, it's out of my brain and I've forgotten about yeah. it forever. And I, it was just, it's not happening. Yeah. See, I have a really hard time with writing things down and like, um, like I find out have it, such a hard time with like journaling or keeping like um mm. like a physical diary um I think it's just because like I very naturally just like have my phone on me all the time and it's super easy to like put in mm. and change dates which I think is like if you change something in a physical diary it's like you have to cross something out and I'm just like oh now everything's ruined <laughs> yeah so I have a really tough time with that but I know that for a lot of people it really helps because writing stuff down actually helps it like mm. put it into your memory as well of like um I know like I've done a lot of acting and I know other actors as well like if you write down your lines like handwritten like you'll remember it more that sort of thing mm. yeah one thing that I think is quite useful is um so I use my phone uh for everyday reminders um, or tests or whatever but also a wall planner so I can mm, see yeah, 
whilst I'm like lying in bed or getting ready for whatever, I can see straight away what I have on that day, what's important, um, and I can prepare for it, um, you know, weeks or days in advance. So, yeah. I should try that. I probably find that very useful. <laughs> I should give that a go. Yeah. yeah. And, and is it to say that, like, our long-term memory is really bad or anything? Like, I mm. literally can um, recall, like, a hand, you know, a lot of stuff from my childhood with, you know, crystal clarity or, like, just remember really... I mean, not dumb. It's not all dumb. But, like, things that are seemingly not useful yeah. in, in your everyday life. Um, but, you know, like, people will often... Um, I'll, I won't see someone for a few days that I usually see habitually and they'll be like, oh, yeah, so, um, how, like, what have you been up to the last few days or how was your weekend or whatever? And it's, I literally just can't remember for the life of me and I kind of um, freeze and yeah. just go, wait, what have I been doing? <laughs> yeah. It's a mystery. Yeah. I, I, I also often find that, like, I won't remember important stuff, like, if I have an appointment, but mm. I always remember, like, this weird, dumb knowledge. Like, Maggie and I, like, bonded over the fact that we have so much weird knowledge about ancient <laughs> Egypt, which is, like, um, I feel like if you're not studying it, can be pretty useless information, mm. even though it's a lot of fun. But, yeah, like, just having, like, weird tidbits of knowledge that I don't know why I remember them. Mm. Yeah. So... There was a point where I could remember every letter of the hieroglyph, like, alphabet, oh. and I could tell you every kind of story in um, ancient Egyptian mythology that I knew with perfect detail, but then I couldn't remember the things that I was studying for at university or what happened yesterday. This um like so relatable. Yeah. Hyperfocus. Yeah. yeah. That was me with like when I was a teenager I learned how to I I taught myself how to write in circular Gallifreyan, which is the freaking oh. circle language from oh. Doctor Who. It was incredibly nerdy and I literally just like hyperfixated on it for like two days, memorized it, and then I'd just be like writing in a made up language in the middle of class. But then someone would be like, because, you know, in history for example, they'd be like, Tell me this date that this thing in the Birmingham campaign happened, and I'd be like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, sometime last century. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think that, um, I mean, we still struggle with memory difficulties, but um, one of the papers that I took for uh, psychology, cognitive psychology, that made me feel a bit better about, you know, my memory difficulties was learning how fickle memory is. Mm. Um even though, you know, it's something that we tend to struggle with more, just knowing that, you know, we're not alone in that mm. sense was quite, um, I don't know, calming in mm. a sense. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, I feel like memory and impulsivity sort of go hand in hand because a lot of memory is about, like, oh, this thing, like, hurt you or did this thing and therefore, like, now you know how to avoid it in future, mm. like, that sort of thing. And I feel like, I don't quote me on this, but maybe they sort of go hand in hand of us being like not able to put two to two and two together or not being able to like control our impulses enough to be like, oh, last time we tried to parkour over a canyon and it didn't go well, like that sort of thing. Yeah. That's executive functioning yeah. in mm. the prefrontal cortex. Um, 
I mean, I'm sure we have plenty of stories of where we've been impulsive and it has Literally. not worked out well. <laughs> um, Every day of my whole life. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's good in a certain sense. So um, often I'll be like, why did I do that? Because I often get myself into situations where it's really dangerous. But, mm. you know, if I see someone who's passed out on the ground who's intoxicated I'll go up to them and be like hey you're all good Mm. um and I feel good about it because at least I know that the person is okay but then thinking about it in terms of you know it's late at night and Mm. um they're intoxicated and I'm by myself that kind of thing so I kind of see it as sometimes being a superpower because I don't know. You I, a lot of eh? Yeah, but also I've found within the ADHD community that um, we don't tend to be, you know, the whole bystander effect. Yeah. We, we don't tend to be bystanders. You just kind of like are very and, good at me. I mean, ex- one of the things around executive functioning is decision making, but like I tend to be a very decisive person. Hmm. Um, and Me too, me too. Sometimes too. that's good but sometimes it's also really bad especially if you're like in a conflict scenario and your first like instinct is to just say whatever the hell or like pick a side but yeah pick a side say whatever the hell make snap judgments sometimes that's very like oh (laughs) that's come back to bite me i agree with that i think it does come from a place of me being a very indecisive person of like i've had times where i've like spent 10 minutes trying to decide which cereal i'm going to eat in the morning (laughs) and like that is that actually happened that is not it but i feel like it comes from that place of like if i even spend like a little time thinking about this i'm just going to go on like a roller coaster of me being indecisive Mm. so i feel like it is sort of a coping mechanism mm. of being like I'm super indecisive so I'm just going to make the first decision like I come upon yeah yeah which I'm not sure if it's the same for you or if you're just like super onto it oh I have no idea honestly yeah. <laughs> I mean I think the main the 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 chief way that impulsivity manifests itself in my life is usually around like um shopping mm. like I have absolute like even if I go into a, a you know, with my weekly grocery shop, I go into the store with a list. I'll literally just walk in there and be like, and I'm feeling like some iced tea right now. And like, you know, oh, we need this in the flat actually. And then I'll leave meaning to have spent like 30 bucks on a shop and I leave having spent like 70. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get a, like a lot of impulsivity or I used to around food of mm, like, same, 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 I, same, yeah, same. I'd be like, oh, I'm sort of craving this thing. And then it, that I would just be like, I wouldn't stop until I got it. Like that sort of thing. Yeah, I had some pretty poor eating habits, so um, it's either I won't eat anything because I've forgotten, or I'll eat, like, a block of feta in <laughs> five minutes, so I'll just, like, grab the feta and just eat it like a like a biscuit or something. <laughs> I'm just like, no, it's, um, I've once been compared to, like, a plague of locusts, because, oh I mean, no, because when you're, like, hungry and yeah. you just... Um, yeah, and that's something that's pretty common within ADHD circles is like binge eating and yeah, um, impulsive really eating. And yeah. like one time, I think I purchased like three watermelons, two <laughs> rock melons, um, like a what's the longest subway? Like foot long oh, no. subway, um, 
whole bag of pretzels, whole bag yeah, of... And think, like, <laughs> the, the, like, I'm relating to you far too hard right now because when I am like, I'm going to buy snacks, I'll literally buy so much more than I know that I can logically eat without feeling ill. But then it gets to the point where you're still like, you're like, I'm halfway through this whole cake. I'm just going to keep <laughs> eating it. Like, Honestly, yeah. I, I feel like there are times like where... Like, I would eat more than I'm like, my body cannot physically hold this. But I'd just be like, you know what? Like, you get addicted to the feeling of eating. And like, I can't, my body cannot physically hold anymore, but I'm going to carry on It's literally like that thing, especially because I always tend to like overorder when I go out to eat. I'll be Mm. like, I'm going to get a main and a side. And I hardly ever get even halfway through my main without feeling full. And it's literally like, I'm thinking of this video of Chris Hemsworth, which is like ADHD mood personified, where he's just got this like really hot bowl a very full soup in front of him and he keeps like dipping into the 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 soup with a spoon and then putting it to his mouth and going ah it's really hot and then like a second later just bringing it back up to his mouth and doing that over and over and over again he does it like 10 times in the space of 30 seconds and each time he's always like oh it's still really hot and then once he tries to blow on it but the whole time he's just like yeah okay no impulse control time to just keep putting this in my mouth even though i discovered it was burning me two seconds ago and that's me when i'm like eating anything I'll be like I'm so full I feel sick and then wait for like 30 seconds and I'm like I don't feel so full anymore and then I put more food in my body I'm like oh I feel sick yeah the trick to that is just (laughs) swapping um tastes so first say for example you have already eaten a bag of pretzels (laughs) um, (laughs) and you have another salty food and you're like I want to eat that but I we're going so off topic Um, yeah I feel like this Especially the fact that all three of us can relate to having, like, stuff with, like, impulsively eating and that sort of mm. thing. I feel like that's very telling of, like, where our impulses are. Mm. Yeah. 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 But anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> uh, um, maybe we could talk about something like rejection <laughs> sensitivity. Yeah. 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 But I, I think I, after I started my meds, I think I talked to you about it, of, like, I was sort of expecting my meds to be like, suddenly you can focus on everything. Mm. And yeah, and like, suddenly you don't fidget anymore. And I found that with my meds, they helped me so much more with my impulsivity Mm. of like, I was actually able to like save money. I was actually able to say like, actually, I've had enough to eat at this point and I don't need any more. And that might also come from the fact that like being on medication like gets rid of my appetite. Mm. Um, But it actually helped me regulate my impulsivity and I feel like it helped me with that more than it helped me with like my inattentiveness and stuff yeah yeah I feel like exactly the same um especially in social situations because that's the other the other time where the the impulsivity jumps out big time and like especially um I would walk away from a lot and I sold (laughs) to some extent walk away from a lot of social scenarios being like why did I say that why Mm. did I do that like why did I behave this way? Like, you know, especially because sometimes, um, I don't know if it's the same with y'all, but I tend to be leaning towards being hyper empathetic, like being able to just read people that I know really well. Um, like, you know, to the point where like, you know, in video games, how you choose an option and then there's the dialogue box of, Oh, this person did not like that. Like, you know, basically that, but in real life, you can like see their facial expression change and their like body language shift. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll, like, you know, do something very impulsively and then see people react to it in a very, like, visceral way that's subconscious. Mm. Like, they don't know that they're doing it. But I'm immediately like, oh, my God, why did I just do that? Like, this is Yeah, I've had that. I've had that experience as well. And I think it was, like, yeah, 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's sort of like, it's really sort of like, like confronting, I feel, of being like, oh, I did this thing, I didn't think about it, and this actually like affected somebody else negatively. I find that really like, and I go away with that a lot of the time, Mm. and I like think I mull it over and I can't get it out of my head, that sort of thing. Um, Two things that kind of tie into that. So one is um, with the medication, because people with ADHD often struggle with mood regulation and we experience things uh, more heightened. And what I've found with my medication is it's uh, not numbed my feelings, but it's regulated it more. And Mm. so in circumstances where, you know, usually I'd be kind of like you were saying, Jay, sort of hypersensitive to Mm. what people um, are are doing um, because... I guess in terms of self-esteem, I always want to be, you know, like perfect in conversations Mm. and stuff. It's made me less anxious about what I'm doing. Mm. Um, Not less empathetic, but um, I'm more calm in the way that I approach people um, and less, yeah, less anxious, I guess. Mm. But another thing that is quite common is um, rejection sensitivity, dysphoria. Yeah, before we go on to that, I want to touch quickly on the stuff you said about like feeling less anxious mm. because I entirely 100% relate to that because I was like on anxiety medication before I was on ADHD medication and I found that being on ADHD medication like helped me alleviate a lot more anxiety than my anxiety medication simply because it was stemming from a different place mm. if that makes sense yeah yeah sorry for interrupting because you can continue now well it's just um i've lost my train of thought rsd yeah yeah um i can pick up where you left off because i remember it's okay. um yeah so the the rejection sensitive dysphoria um this was something for me that um because i didn't know about it like even after I was diagnosed, for context, I was diagnosed in, like, only June, and I only started thinking about um, my, like, I only realised I had ADHD in, like, December last year, so this is fairly, you know, new and still very uh, introspective in my introspective period. Um, But I already knew, like, what RSD stuff was affecting my life, like, but I didn't know that there was a word for it. And basically when I looked it up, because I saw it on an ADHD memes page, <laughs> <laughs> when I looked it up, and it was, I can't remember the exact definition, but it's basically like, um, you know, heightened sensitivity to rejection, is what it says on the tin. But like, to the point where it can like simulate um, like major mood disorders, like you can be fine one minute and then spiral the next way taking a photo of me. <laughs> um, you can be fine like one minute and then like, if it gets trapped, you just spiral. Um, and that can be like really intense feelings of like shame, guilt, discomfort, like, um, a whole cocktail of really horrible negative emotions, like anger, sadness, um, even like grief in some scenarios. It's just like quite intense and horrible. Um, and I knew that that was like a big thing. Um, when I was a teenager, but like when I found the word for it, I was like, oh my God, everything makes sense. And it was actually really comforting to know that like, that's not just like a fault in my personality or how, you know, like it's not me being dumb or whatever. It's like the way my brain is actually hardwired. But also I guess like 
because there's a lot of similarities between this and kind of internalized homophobia, mm. internalized transphobia, because if you're constantly hearing that, you know, you're broken, you're not good enough, mm. you like are stupid, you like, and you're not able to fit in, um, eventually you kind of like take over because that's all you've really been hearing. And mm, so yeah. it kind of makes sense that, um, you know, we'd be hypersensitive to other people. Mm. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. We've come to the end of our time on air. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we are going to continue this conversation um, in podcast form. So you can find us under Speak Out Radio on um, Podbean, Spotify and iTunes Music or iTunes Podcast, whatever it's called. Um, Did you just hit me? I did, I did just hit Manny, I'm sorry. Um, so you can continue listening there where we'll go more in depth into all this stuff. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Speak Up Radio on 106.1 FM. We're back. And that's the second time we're doing that because I've got to turn the mics on. <laughs> Why is this so, this is the most like ADHD episode ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I reckon we should just carry on with what you were saying because that's something I've never really thought about, about how, like, um, RSD can really be impacted by mm. internalised, like, homophobia and biphobia and transphobia. And I feel especially, like, I've had a lot of conversations, especially with my trans and non-binary friends, about um, feeling like they're embarrassing their families by coming out. And I feel like it's, like, that totally takes you on a loop of, bit, like, you feel like you're embarrassing your family, then you go, like, in, deep into that RSD feelings and then... Like, it's an ongoing spiral. Mm. So do you want to carry on talking about what you were saying about... Mm-hmm. Um, I think you were saying something about, like, self-stigma or... Yeah. Stigma. Um, so when I was doing the Rako Rorola program um, with the Mental Health Foundation, so that was a a a, uh, a peer support group, uh, pretty much we were equipped with tools to return to our community to um, use our lived experience to support them. And one of the... Um, the tools that they spoke about or uh, concepts was something very similar to what we use in our workshops at Inside Out. So talking about different forms of homophobia and transphobia and how um, one of it, one of the forms it can take is internalised, uh, so internalised um, homophobia and transphobia. And pretty much the concept of self-stigma is when society is constantly telling you that your identity is wrong and that you you don't belong and you don't fit in, eventually after a certain point you kind of take over because if all you're hearing is, you know, that your identity is wrong, you start to believe them and it can be seen in so many uh, different marginalised groups, so I guess internalised um kind of racism or internalized ableism, that kind of thing. Um, and so the rejection sensitivity dysphoria makes a lot of sense um, because society is so rigid in what they often expect of us um, that for people who uh, are undiagnosed, they think that, you know, there's something wrong with us when mm. in actual fact it's just we do things a bit differently mm. yeah. yeah that's such a good point I'm sort of like in awe of that because it, I feel like that really like 
highlight some things, like especially through my like earlier teenage years of being like, mm. it really do- is a cycle. And it's like, I feel like you can't really explain it to people that don't experience it. Yeah, it's like, and it's, yeah. it's one of those wild things as well that like can get frustrating, especially if you like, um, very recently I've been trying to be more mindful of my RSD spirals and I'm getting mm. better at like curbing that and kind of just like, especially in my social interactions, if I like accidentally do something to upset one of my friends or like, you know, step in something socially, um, kind of not immediately being like, ah, and like freaking out about it, but instead just being like, okay, this is my mistake. I need to take responsibility of it because I'm an adult and like address that, their feelings of like whatever they're feeling because of whatever I did are more important in this instance than like me freaking out about how it's my fault and whatnot. Mm. Um, and so I'm like getting better at that, but um, sometimes it's still really difficult and it's so frustrating when you can see yourself spiraling and you know you're doing it. Like, you know, with the thing where you're like, oh, I've done this thing or, you know, like this person said this thing that upset me a while ago, but I can't tell them that because they're really tired now, mm. but I still want them to. Does that make me a bad friend? Yes, it does, but I still want them to, which makes me a worse friend. And then, you know, you go all the way down and get thrown out with the bathwater and like, it just is so frustrating when you, the rational part of your brain is like, you're doing this, you know, you're doing it, just stop doing it. And you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm already stuck in the loop. Yeah. Um, and I feel, I feel like it is like that it's a place of heightened emotions mm. and like you can try and logic your way out of emotions as much as you want but a lot of the time you just can't because it's your brain going like crazy with all of these emotions um and I personally feel like for me it helps a lot to not try and like repress my mm. emotions because I feel like I've spent so much of my life just being yeah. like okay, this doesn't feel great, so just don't feel it. And instead of just being like, I'm going to sit with this and I'm going to think about it, like, yeah, like, I, I do think about things, like, logically of, like, this person probably doesn't hate me because, like, they understand where I'm coming from or something like that, but not trying to be like, okay, I, I understand that what I did yeah. wasn't, like, the end of the world, so all of these emotions have to go away now. Yeah. Instead, just being like, I'm allowed to, like, sit with these feelings. I'm allowed to feel guilty about this and, you know, like, putting on some sad music or something and just being like, yeah. I'm allowed to be sad for, like, a little while, but I'm not going to start hating myself because yeah. I feel this way. Yeah. And I think, like, one of the things that I've kind of discovered about myself that I think people struggle with, um, because, you know, the human instinct is, like, if someone's upset, you want to comfort them, but, like... For me, very specifically, like, there are a very, very few, like, there are very few forms of comfort that I actually will like if I'm mm-hmm. in that specific headspace, like, and I know that people want to comfort you and they don't want you to feel sad, but sometimes I need to be like, actually, I just need to feel crappy for, like, a half an hour and I need to, like, go have a cry or, like, yeah. just be, you know, in a very low space for a little bit of time because then, like, once... I've kind of like rode that out like I'll have processed and I'll feel much better rather than like oh um I'm feeling pressured to not be outwardly sad because it's making other people uncomfortable so I'm gonna like be comforted not actually be comforted by this person. I I totally agree with that like I I find it really difficult to be comforted by other people because Mm. I feel like a lot of my stuff I like it's a very like internal thing so I like to just like talk it through with myself and I find when the other people there I feel like I have to 
like I need to come to a conclusion or be mm. happy after like 10 minutes so that they don't get like emotionally exhausted as well. Mm. So I find it really hard to have other people comfort me and it's sort of like communicating that instead yeah. of just saying like, just go away instead just being like, I need to process this by myself and like communicating that with people because I know it's super hard, especially when you're in that space of like, I'm really upset right now it can be really hard to have to communicate that with people and you just want, like, it's really hard to communicate when you're feeling so emotional. Mm. Yeah. I guess, like, for me, um, historically, I've kind of come across, like, two camps or schools of thought in Mm. terms of regulating emotion. Um, And I try and incorporate both, so... One camp or school of thought is using medication to um, manage emotions and um, manage people's conditions. And then the other camp being um, kind of exercise and uh, meditation and healthy eating and all that kind of stuff. And I personally believe that it, it for people like us, it tends to be a bit of both. Mm. So um, before I went on medication, it was really difficult to implement anything that would help bring me down. I'd try everything under the sun and it just wouldn't work um, if I was in such a heightened state of um, anxiety or whatever it was, if I'd been triggered by something. And now that I'm on the medication, I've been able to solidify um healthier ways of managing it so Mm. one really good way I um, deal with kind of upsets is um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu so Mm -hmm. um, it's funny that you know a place where you simulate murder is (laughs) kind of makes me feel serene and comforted but um, if I wasn't on the medication I wouldn't have been able to even go along Mm. um, or able be able to implement you know, that holistic approach because I was just all over the place. And, I mean, there's still a lot of stuff that I need to work on, especially with um, when I interact with people and am feeling rejected. But I feel that um, now that I've started medication and have started that process, it's a lot easier for me. Mm, Definitely. Actually, I had a, a really cool moment, I think it was like a month or two ago, where it was sort of, I think it was a, a friend of mine, actually my lovely friend Charlie, who was on the by episode with us. Um, I think it was like um, he'd accidentally double booked himself and he was going to a show and I, like, for some reason, well, not for some reason, like, it sucks when, like, you've made plans and you can't mm-hmm. do them anymore, but I, have like, got really bad RSD from that. And I, ch- I think I chatted... W- with you about it, Jay. Mm. And then after that, I was actually able to go to chat, like go and chat to Charlie. And I was like, you know, this isn't your fault, but I did feel like really rejected after that and being able to chat that through and being able to explain, like, sometimes my emotions just like do this and it's absolutely not your fault, but like being able to like explain it in a way and have, like, And also so that people are a bit more mindful of it in the future. Like even if it's, you know, it wasn't like, anyone's fault that you felt that way it was oh, just like yeah. you know a regular scenario thing but like um I've found that that's been really helpful for me and like some of my friendships as well like um you know there'd be the ins you know 
the the first instance where my RSD was tripped really badly and then like since then like after me being like huh and like having a bit of a freak out but then communicating through that and being like this is what I'm feeling right now I know it's not logical blah 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 um after that like it's been great because there have been scenarios where like my RSD hasn't been tripped but my friend has been like oh sorry like are you okay like that was a bit insensitive maybe like I was worried that you know that was triggering for you and I was like it wasn't, but that's really lovely that you were thinking about that sort of thing yeah. and, like, caring about my well-being that way. It makes my life a lot yeah. easier to manage and not having to, like, have that on my radar all the time of being constantly concerned about, like, oh, haha, Yeah. Like, they're aware. and Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, as well, a lot of the time with, like, RSD, like, I've, I've actually told you about this, I think it's, like, the one time when I was in school, this girl didn't smile at me in class, and oh, we weren't, yeah. we weren't even, like good friends we were sort of like friendly acquaintances she didn't smile at me and I went into a spiral for two days because I was just like oh everybody hates me when it was just like literally all she did was didn't smile probably because she didn't see me smiling at her but it's sort of like sometimes it just comes from a place of like you feel rejected Mm. and like that makes you uh, spiral rather than the reality of this person purposefully rejected you I feel like it's so I think it's important for like us to know that of like in reality, this pro- person probably didn't, like, intentionally reject us. Mm. But I think it's also important for, like our, like, our friends and family and the people we have relationships to know that as well of, like, you didn't intend to, like, really upset us. It's just that that's the way our emotions work. And, yeah, there are some ways you can be more mindful of it. Mm. But also, like, it's not your fault. Like, yeah, you don't have to you shoulder this. You shouldn't take responsibility for, like, all of that. You know, like, it's good to be aware of it, but, like... um you know, that, that shouldn't mean that you feel immediately guilty, like, if whatever is trapped, because, like, that's not, you know, yeah. like, we're and still adults and we still have to manage our emotions. It's yeah. just difficult and it's a different process and it's something to be mindful of for yeah. everyone involved. And I guess it comes with any relationship, mm. ADHD or not, um, is that sense of reciprocity and communication yeah. because um, if you don't have good communication or reciprocity, like the relation can't, relationship can't really thrive or or move forward in a sense and mm. yeah i completely agree with what you say it's um like it's good when people are able to recognize like our triggers and um are able to um i don't know implement better ways of interacting with us but also it's on us as well to yeah um implement better ways of interacting with other people as well yeah and then also I think like a big one for me that I've like had to hammer all the way into myself is that (laughs) people aren't mind readers like you can't expect people to just anticipate your needs if you refuse to tell them and that's something that like I've been really bad about in the past because to me my feelings are so big and obvious like it feels like everyone should be able to pick up on them because they're so overwhelming for me like how can no one Mm. notice but then like feeling frustrated and like angry when people don't pick up on how I'm feeling and I just kind of and like also because I'm really good at reading other people so for me I'm like well this would be really I would be able to tell if this person was feeling this way so like why can't they tell how I'm feeling um but just you know like kind of having to reteach myself like hey you know if you're feeling a certain way and you have you know you need to communicate your needs and your expectations for how a relationship is like you can't just expect people to pick that up without you know communication yeah yeah and I feel like that's something that 
people with ADHD sort of have to get good at mm. of like communicating is something that you sort of have to get good at otherwise it's like a constant spiraling thing of like people don't understand that like I can't always focus yeah. of like it's so important that you communicate with the people around you and I feel like a lot of the time we talk about like the negative stuff mm. that comes with ADHD like not being able to focus and um, RSD and all that sort of stuff but I guess it would be nice if we maybe talked about like our strengths mm. or like the things that yeah. we feel like are really great about having ADHD. Yes. Because it's so easy to get caught up in the negatives because they really do impact us. But also I feel like there are a lot of strengths. And yeah. yeah. Does anybody want to start us off? Um, Yeah, probably what I said around, was it this iteration or the last one that I spoke about um, not being a bystander? Uh, This one. Okay, Yeah. yeah. So... Um, that's something that I've definitely thought about is um, my ability to act in emergency situations. Um, For some reason, exams and tests freak me out more than being involved in an emergency situation because not only am I a phone counsellor at Youthline, but I also had to manager uh, manage an entire mall mm. um, and so you can imagine what kind of situations would pop up there and I found it quite easy to um, act decisively and work in those situations um, because I don't know it just like made sense yeah. um, there wasn't any holding back like I usually do or worrying about what if I was just able to act and that's um, something that's quite common. You find a lot of people with ADHD in emergency services um, or, you know, entrepreneurs. Um, So, yeah, that's something I'm proud of. I think I'm really good at, like, lifting the energy in Mm. a space. I'm a very, like, I'm a very outwardly hyperactive person and I very much enjoy like interacting with people and being very social and I think that's can be really positive especially in a space where it's sort of like it needs to be high energy or people want to be high energy but they're feeling a bit too shy to be um so I think that's something really positive that I can bring yeah yeah I think on like a similar wavelength I'm very good at um bringing people out of their shells because like I'm also like same with you compass a very like outgoing person I'm also super goofy (laughs) I'm an incredibly goofy person and so like my kind of go-to when I'm teaching or in any like space where I need to be interacting with people that I haven't before is like being like very kind of like goofy and oh isn't this silly and you know like getting getting people to like feel a little bit less self-conscious by like making a bit of a spectacle of myself Mm. um and I think like because I like that the the impulse control and like um yeah, I don't know, like, it, it works well for me in in, the, in a lot of social scenarios like that, where it's like, cool, here's someone who's super, super shy and might not, like, feel comfortable contributing or, like, you know, interacting or, like, just socialising in general. And I'm very, like, I don't really care. Like, I'm just, yeah, yeah. it'll be a bit wild. Um, and, yeah, like, I think sometimes it makes people feel a bit more, like, comfortable because it's, like... Yeah. I'm making a bit of a, a dick out of myself, so, like, it's fine. Yeah, and I feel like, as well, it's sort of, it's encouraging when someone else, like, sort of takes that step and being, like, 
if we're gonna look stupid then like yeah. it's okay yeah. yeah yeah and that's all good yeah do you um, have any I think Maggie I think you're a very like I think you being able like taking time to articulate articulate yourself is like a strength because I feel mm-hmm. like every time you like explain something to me or talk I feel like you really mean what you say Mm. and it's like I it's very genuine I feel like you're a very genuine person I feel like some of that does come from that you think a lot about what you say yeah yeah and it's very precise as well like Mm. I always feel like I understand exactly what you're saying thank you Um, another another Maggie's general, blushing. <laughs> um, another general thing I love about like having ADHD is um, the hyperfixating. Oh. I love it so much, and it's my favorite thing in the whole world. When you talk to someone else who has like a similar hyperfixation, or just anyone else who has like ADHD or like is on the spectrum somewhere, and also hyperfixates, because you just like info dump and it's the best feeling in the whole world and one of my favorite applications of hyperfixation is in literary analysis because Mm. I'm an English lit major so like the things I hyperfixate on I literally will deep dive into the like intertextual stuff and like the narrative and oh this is like you know whether or not the author was intending to do this this is how this reads and like analyzing character relationships and dialogue and stuff and then people are always like how like how do you know like you know like that's really interesting how can you you know, analyze it that way, and it's like, it's the hyperfixation, baby. I was, like, started playing this dating sim two days ago, and I read all (laughs) 500 pages of The Answered Asks by the game developers in two days. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I I feel like I I hope hyperfixate on, like, movies, Mm. which I feel like is... It's a more accessible hyperfixation. Some of them, like, I hyperfixate on music theory a lot, Mm. which is sort of, like... um, it can be sort of not accessible to people that don't know a lot about um, music theory because music theory is so complicated mm. and, like, it takes a lot of time to learn. So I feel like hyperfixating on things that are kind of accessible, like movies, especially movies that other people have seen, yeah. it's, like, it's really nice to see people be like, actually, I noticed that thing too and, like, yes. I really enjoyed that and it's really hyperfixating on something and then being able to talk to someone about it is really fun especially yeah. if they share your same enthusiasm for that thing yeah. is so oh good. my gosh yes that's that's another thing i think like we're really enthusiastic and i think yeah. that's great also a, a bit of um actually before i say that <laughs> uh hyperfixating on for me everything that'll go wrong and so mm. being a youth worker and mm. helping out with events i've found that it's been quite useful because like my thoughts are racing a million miles an hour, I can just think of everything, almost everything, that will go wrong just because of that like rapid thinking. Um, But also uh, troublemaking with people with ADHD is a lot of fun. Um, I went up to, I think it was Hawke's Bay with um, a few years ago. So Connor, Tabby, Alfie and I um, all went up north and um, we were getting ready to sleep and Alfie and I were chilling in our room and Tabby and Connor were in the other room. And um, for some reason, we thought it would be a grand idea to play some tricks on Tabby and Connor. <laughs> um, and so um, we were cackling in the room and Tabby and Connor were you know, chilling there. And then um, Alfie got a pillow and started to like... Uh, navy or army crawl 
on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently Tabby knew that something was up because when the cackling stopped, like, <laughs> she was like, something's going on here. Um, and so Elfie was crawling to their room and just like popped up like a whack-a-mole or something <laughs> and just went, ha, and chucked a pillow at them. It was yeah. pretty low-key, but um, <laughs> we just yeah. like feed off each other's it's energy. so good. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that goes back to like us not being afraid to be stupid as yeah. well. Of like we go to the weirdest places and a lot of the time like our impulsivity means that we actually go through with it as well. Yeah. <laughs> of like we'll think like this is really funny and it turns out it's like really stupid. It's which really is what stupid, makes it funny. And it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then later yeah. on you're like, wow, that was a really dumb idea, but it was yeah. so good. Yeah. Um another thing that kind of ties in with like both of those things is well kind of vaguely, but not really ADHD mood. Yeah. Um is we talked a bit about like having trouble with emotional regulation in terms of the negative emotions, but to be honest, it's also good because it means that I feel like intense joy and like yeah. love, like love yeah. particularly, um, is something that like especially recently, if you know, I have like a really like in depth DNM with a friend that eventually like you know spirals down into I love you so much and like really yeah. you know here's all the super gushy things and like I'm so thankful for you being in my life and literally like when I have those conversations that are like really open heart to heart like I actually physically curl up into a little ball and need to just take a minute to like grin like an idiot and think about nothing else because I'm so consumed by like how much I love that person yeah and it's such a wonderful feeling like you know, yeah, I, I experienced the horrible depths of sadness when I'm, yeah. like, scared someone's rejected me. But on the flip side of that, like, I experience intense joy and, like, enthusiasm for things and love. And it's, like, yeah. you know, there's, there's good with the bad. Yeah. Oh, I totally relate to that. Like, there's this euphoria that comes yeah. with, like interacting with people and feeling like loved and accepted yeah. by people there is such euphoria that goes with that that I feel like also spirals like both spirals yeah. upward in a good of, way like, yeah I literally have some social interactions where like they're stupid like two second interactions with strangers on the street and I'll be like grinning for five minutes afterwards walking down the road because I'm like that was so fantastic like yeah. I love people that was awesome yeah mm-hmm. oh I feel that yeah and I feel like you you're definitely like a very expressive person I feel like when you're excited about something you can really tell but also I feel like that it partners really well with like you hyper fixating on stuff that is like you're really really excited about this thing you're talking about and it's so like it's so fun to listen to because I'm just like it's really blessed yeah it's, it's like you know so much about this but you also really love it and it's such a it's so such a great energy to be around yeah I definitely enjoyed um, hearing about your plants and the way that oh you had God. learned um, how to look after your plants and just your enjoyment of plants. And it was such a good experience just learning so much from you. And, um, <laughs> so <blessed. laughs> um, and on the same note, me when I see puppies. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. For um Maggie's birthday party, you um you like took us to the RSPCA and I cannot express how happy I was to see puppies. Compass was literally frozen. Like we put yeah. a dog on them and they were just like about to cry. Yeah. I nearly cried. I was so happy. Thank you for <laughs> doing that. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Yeah. I think also like a general um because I've had conversations with that. I've got a lot of friends who have ADHD, um, about, like, being outside and in nature apparently is something that's, like, really, like, people who have ADHD or or are on the spectrum get, like, a crazy amount more out of, like, being in nature, being outside, being around animals than 
Yes, you look like you're on. Please say something. You're Can we go camping? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm also, capturing. I'm literally like, as we, sp- I'm wearing my Outward Bound shirt because I did uh, Outward Bound last year, for f- and it's like you know, three weeks in the bush with like no external sim, like you know, no phone, no like worrying about everyday life stuff and I absolutely adored it it was so good and then I was the most productive I've ever been in my whole life for the week after I got back and then it all dissipated because I was doing my regular life stuff again Mm, but like being I feel like I physically need to go outside and recharge every once in a while oh me too I think as well thinking about like the rush of energy I get Mm. like just going on like a like a like a hiking trail of like but most people go there and it's like, look at pretty trees. When I'm out there, I'm just like, I just need to run around. I just want to like run around and yell and I feel really happy. And yeah. Camp trip. Uh, one way that I spot my impulsivity popping up is like, I felt like saying, let's go camping after this. But I have three tests coming up. <laughs> like I have a oh, test no. today. I can't go camping. Yeah. But God, soon we can go camping. really, really Please. relatable. We're all going camping. (laughs) Yeah. And also, like, traveling along those lines as well. Like, traveling is – it's really stressful because you have to organize your own whole life before that. And, like, you know, especially – I'm I'm going to Europe for two months at the end of the year. And, like, my my Sagittarius is, like, off the – like, absolutely freaking so excited and, like, freaking out about it. And so is my ADHD brain because it's, like, cool, going and seeing new exciting things for this, like, whole two months. But, yes. Um, yeah, also scary, yeah. difficult, hard. Honestly, I feel that so hard. I feel like with having ADHD and travelling, I feel like it's sort of – you really have to just, like, go head first into how mm. exciting everything is. Like, just, yeah. And Europe's so lovely. Mm. Um, I miss it. Yeah. But – um. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. Yeah, I'm really time. excited. Yeah. It's going to be so good. Yeah. So do we have any final comments or compliments? I feel like this last 10 minutes has just been us like complimenting each other and it's been very wholesome. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. We should just do like an entire episode that's just us complimenting each other. That would while, be nice. While we, like on our camp trip, we can bring the mics <laughs> and then compliment each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. No? No. Awesome. Well, you've been listening to Speak Out Radio and this episode's been really fun yeah. it's been so good it's been so nice to like chat with you and be around you and I feel like it's so nice when you ha- you have people that have sort of like maybe we don't like all think in the same way but we sort of experience things in the mm. same way and it's nice to have that like community around us and it's it's real nice yeah. it's real cute wholesome <laughs> yeah so thank you so much for listening through our rambling and I like I'm sure some of this has been really loud because we've just been like yeah. we just start like yeah. periodically screaming for no reason yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um yes I, I don't want to stop recording I just carry kind of want to carry on but we have to stop can we put the fly thing at the end oh my gosh so at the end of this I reckon no, I'm kidding I'm kidding no I'm gonna do it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to do it. Shall I do it? Nah, yeah. Uh... So depending on whether or not there is a piece of audio at the end of this with Maggie and I talking about a fly, I put in the clip of us. <laughs> do you want me to do it? Nah. Okay, I won't do it. But there was a, yeah. We can send it to Tabby. Well, I'll send it to Tabby. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, yeah. Anyway, weird interlude. Okay. We do have to stop now, though. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Bye. Bye. Kakeets. Kakeets. Kakeets.